Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message will be brought to us by one of the men in our church that serve in the teaching ministry. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts as one of the men in our church bring forth God's truth to us today. Lois Cheney wrote in her book, God is No Fool, about a woman and her grandmother who were sitting on their porch discussing a member of the family who had strayed away. He's just no good, the young woman said. He's completely untrustworthy, not to mention lazy. Yes, he's bad, the grandmother said as she rocked back and forth in her rocking chair, but but Jesus loves him. I'm not so sure of that, the younger woman persisted. Oh yes, assured the elderly lady, Jesus loved him, loves him. And she continued to rock and, and thought for a few more minutes and then she added, of course Jesus doesn't know him like we do. <laughs> do you ever feel that way about yourself? You know, people will tell us at times God loves you and, 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 and you think if that's so, then God must not know me very well. And so maybe Cheney hit a nerve with you. Maybe you've always felt what she wrote and say, yes, I, I have heard people say that God forgives, but God's no fool. <laughs> and you know that if God is no fool, then he can never accept you having been as foolish as you have been. And we go through this dilemma. In the play, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown explains <clears throat> why he hates lunchtimes. He said, I think lunchtime is about the worst time of the day for me. Always having to sit here alone. Of course, sometimes mornings aren't so pleasant either. Waking up and wondering if anyone would really miss me if I didn't get out of bed. And then there's the night lying there thinking about all of the stupid things that I've done during the day and all those hours in between when I do all those stupid things. Well, lunchtime is among the worst time of the day for me. <laughs> so let me tell you some good news, though, in spite of the fact that God is no fool and in spite of the fact that we sometimes are, God really does love us. He really loves you no matter, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done in your life, or even how long you have done the things that you have done in your life. He will gladly forgive you and accept you if you will simply come home to him. And that's what our text is about tonight. I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Luke in chapter 15, a very familiar passage of scripture. In Luke chapter 15, we see the context in the first two verses. In verse 1, Then drew near unto him, unto Jesus, all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. In other words, Jesus got into trouble with the Pharisees because he hung around sinful people. It was in response to that accusation that Jesus told three accounts. 
the account of the lost sheep, the account of the lost coin, and the account of the lost son. Jesus was using these three accounts to say, listen guys, I, I hang around with sinful people because God loves them and God wants them to come home. In fact, Jesus said on another occasion in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So in these three accounts that we have tonight, Jesus shows us who God is and how he feels about lost people. So in the first account, you, you are the sheep and God is the shepherd. In the second account, you are the coin and God is the widow. In the third account, you are the son and God is the father. And by looking at these three accounts, we see God's passion for the lost. And so the greatest event on our calendar that shows us God's great passion for the lost is what we call Easter Sunday. The Easter story is about an empty tomb, but it's much more than that. In the passage from the Gospel of Matthew, we read about the, the women who came to the tomb and they found it empty. And we read how the angel told them, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. But why do we celebrate Easter? What is so significant about a man named Jesus of Nazareth dying and then rising from the dead on Sunday? Jesus was born, died, and rose from the grave for one main reason. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the whole, that's the whole point of Easter. God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He dies on the cross for us, taking our sins upon himself, taking our punishment for sin upon himself. He dies for our sin, and he rises on the third day on Easter Sunday. He rises from, from the dead, demonstrating that he has the power over sin and over death and over hell and over the grave. And so Easter is about his coming to us, dying for us and, and, and rising for us. He, he has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So tonight we are talking about evangelism. We want to have a passion for evangelism. Two weeks ago, as Pastor said, we began our series of five special messages on being passionate. There are five reasons that we exist as a church Five things we need to be passionate about. We need to be passionate about our worship. We need to be passionate about our ministry. We need to be passionate about our evangelism, about our discipleship, and about our fellowship. And so our heart's cry is that God give us a great passion for each of these five areas. So tonight we're going to talk about evangelism, God's passion for the lost. The word evangelism or, or, or evangelism means good news. That's simply what it means. It means telling the good news to those for whom Jesus Christ came. And so Easter is significant because without Jesus Christ, we are lost. And we are on our way to hell. There is no hope for us. And so we are separated from God 
and we are full of sin. That's the bad news. But God comes to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He lives and dies and rises for us. That's the good news. And so Jesus comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Now the aim of our lesson tonight is to help us to see how we can renew our passion for evangelism. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives us a few actions to take as we turn our hearts to evangelism. So the first thing that we see there in verses 1 and 2 is that we need to remember to love the lost. Pretty simple. We need to remember to love the lost. Lost people are those who have not yet become followers of Jesus Christ. That's, that's who are lost. All of humanity, we, we understand, is divided into two categories. There isn't three, there isn't four. There's two categories. There's the lost and there's the found. And that's it. And those who are lost are sinners and those who are found are sinners. But we're in two categories, the lost and the found. Only those two categories, you're either in one or the other of those categories. There's no in-between. You're either lost or you're found. And so John Newton wrote, the, wrote of this truth in, in what has become a favorite hymn of mine, and I'm sure of many of you here, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Now, remember that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. The religious people of Jesus' day, they had a problem with that. Can you believe that? The religious people had a problem with Jesus being concerned about people who are lost. They felt like he needed to stay away from those people who are lost. They didn't appreciate Jesus hanging around with the riffraff of their day. And so that's, that's what we read in verses 1 and 2 there. The religious people complained. They, they didn't like Jesus hanging with the lost people. So they complained. They spoke negatively about him. With contempt in their heart, they said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Jesus loved the lost. Remember, that's why he came. He came to seek and to save those that are lost. The lost the, he loved the lost. He spent time with the lost. He showed that he loved them. He didn't, he didn't expect lost people to act like found people. Sometimes we fall into that, into that camp. We expect everybody, everybody to act like they've already been found, to behave themselves, to do the right things and, and, and all of that. But Jesus didn't expect lost people to act like they had been found. He didn't expect blind people to act like they could see. He loved them. He spent time with them. And it was through his spending time with them that he felt that they felt loved and they felt drawn to his saving power. So how many of you think this principle of loving the lost applies to us today? It does, doesn't it? It still, it still applies. We too must remember to love the lost. What, what good is a church that doesn't love lost people? I mean, you think about that. If all, we, if all we do is love ourselves in here, and that's great that we love each other and we enjoy our fellowship and all of that, but if that's it, if we don't love the lost, that is the heartbeat of God. The lost. 
He sent his son, his only son, to die for lost people. I read once about Peter Lord, who was a good friend of Adrian Rogers, who had a church in Florida. And over the portals of the doors of that church, there was a sign that read, Sinners only welcome here. Sinners only welcome here. Yet too many churches continue to act like the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' day. They expect people to clean themselves up before they become a follower of Jesus Christ. And yet we say that there's nothing that you can do. You simply accept Christ as your Savior. You can't, you can't earn your way into heaven, but we want you to clean yourself up. We want you to get your life in order first. Clean up your act and, and, and try to, try to um, uh, you know, look more like a Christian than you do. It's backwards. It's like trying to clean fish before you ever even catch them. You ever done that, Mike? Clean fish before you catch them? It's kind of hard, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> we just can't do that. It's backwards. Lost people are supposed to act like what? Lost people. And so we must remember to love the lost. So how can Fellowship Baptist Church remember to love the lost? Well, we start by remembering that you and I once were lost people. And remember how we used to act. When we were lost, when we didn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Remember what you used to, used to believe before you came to know Christ as your Savior. Remember those things that you used to do before you became a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, God has changed you, but you used to not be who you are today. We have changed, we grow, we become more like Christ. The longer that we are, the longer we are saved, the longer we have been walking with God, the closer we come to him, the more like Jesus we act. But we didn't act like that when, when we were first saved. It was a process, and even before we were saved. So you love the lost people like Jesus loved lost people by accepting them like they are. And loving them and having enough passion and love for them that you want to see them changed the third the third account Jesus tells in chapter 15 pointedly illustrates the the attitude of the Pharisee and scribe and I and I, and I don't want to read the whole account because most of us know it very well but it's an account of the prodigal son but but we often forget that there's two sons in the story there is a son who was lost, and there was a son who was acting like a lost person, running away from his father with a bunch of, uh, of money, spending all of the father's money on the wine and women and song, and acting like a lost person. And then he repents, and he comes home to his waiting father, and a celebration takes place, and his father kills the fatted calf, and they, they, they have a feast, and they party, and it seems like a, a happy ending, but... Not exactly, because not everyone is celebrating. And who's the person who's not celebrating? The self-righteous, self-centered church member. The other son of the father. The elder brother. He sure is full of himself, isn't he? 
He says in verses 29 and 30, he said, And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. So you can hear the the self-righteousness in that, can't you? I never transgressed your commandments at any time. I'm a good person. I didn't waste your money on partying and prostitutes and, and, and look at me, look at how good I am. And Jesus told the story to remind the Pharisees and scribes to love lost people. Remember to love lost people no matter what. No matter what they look like, no matter, no matter what they, they might act like, and no matter what they might say, no matter what they might do, no matter what kind of music they might listen to, no matter what, how, how they might dress, or, or no matter what kind of language they may use, no matter what they believe, love them, because Jesus loved them. When you find yourself arguing against this whole idea of loving the lost, you ask yourself whether you're acting like the Pharisees or acting like Jesus. Pretty, hard to, pretty easy to know what camp we're in, doesn't it? Number two, we need to resolve to look for the lost. We see that in several verses here in chapter, chapter 15. We, we look for things we love, don't we? Jesus tells these three accounts now to illustrate the fact that, that we look for things that, that we love, for things that are important for us. So we have the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So in verse 4, it says to us, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he, lose, if, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? Then jump down to verse 8. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. And then there's, there's kind of a little twist in the, the third account. When, when one of the father's sons run away, the father doesn't chase after him, but he looks for him nonetheless. Verse 20 tells us that, that when the son returned to his father, his father saw him when he was afar off. He was still a great way away. That means that the father was looking for him. He was waiting for his son. He was looking down the road probably every day since the first day that his son took off. Looking to see if his lost son was returning. We look for things we love. Remember that Jesus is telling these accounts to illustrate the Father's love for the lost. God loves lost people like a shepherd loves a lost sheep and a woman loves a lost coin. And the Father loves his lost son. And so we too must remember to love the lost and we must resolve to look for the lost. I think sometimes we, we go through the motions of saying, yes, I love lost people. I want to see people come to know Christ as their Savior. But we fall short in this area of looking for them. 
And once in a while we might bump into them and, and, and it just, God opens up the opportunity for us to tell them about Jesus and we take those. But, but sometimes those are few and far between because we're not actively seeking those who are lost. We need to look for them. So Jesus says that the shepherd will leave the 99 sheep to go after one lost sheep. That's love. A business person might say, hey, you, you've got 99. The loss of one sheep is just 1% one, one, 1 loss. Cut your losses and be thankful for the 99. But the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one because we look for the things that we love. We look for the things that are important to us. So Jesus says a woman will look for a lost coin because we look for the things that are important to us. Now some scholars think that this woman's lost coin was part of a headband of 10 coins that married women wore. And it may be, our, our text doesn't uh, really make that clear, but the point is that the silver coin was important. And we look for things that are important for, to us. And so she, she, she lights a candle. Remember, there was no electricity in those days. So when it was dark, it was dark. And so she lights this candle. She gets out of room. She carefully sweeps the floor, probably sweeping uh, one time and then getting down on her hands and knees and looking with the candle. And then, then she sweeps again and she gets down on her hands and knees looking for the lost coin. We look for the things we love. Sometimes we look for things we love and we don't ever find them. Have you ever lost something important to you and you looked and looked and looked but you could not find it? It's heartbreaking because it's important to us. We look for things we love, for things that are important. Jesus, Jesus teaches that we should resolve to look for lost people the way that he, the way that he looks for lost people. And the way that we look for things that are important to us. So just as a shepherd looks for a lost sheep and a woman looks for a lost coin, that's evangelism. We, we need to resolve to look for the lost. That's being, being persistent. Evangelism is being persistent in our efforts. We don't give up. We must resolve to look for the lost and, and be, be persistent in our in our search. A little over a year ago when this whole COVID thing kind of shut things down and there for a while not knowing what was going on, many of us were inside just like they told us that we should be and, 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 and we stayed in there for a while and there's not a lot to do and so I, I spent some of my time on the computer and I remember I probably spent a lot more time on Facebook and uh, maybe some of you did too, but I like to get on Facebook to try to find pictures of my, my grandchildren and see my children and all of that. But one of the things that I noticed during that time as I was searching to see my children were people were posting about this person that was missing and this person that was missing. Did you notice that there for a while? It just seemed like every day there was another person that was missing. And, and, and it's sad, it's sad to think about what happens to those people who are missing. 
And they were asking people, would you repost this? Would you spread this around the country? And, and people, people kind of came together through that, that Facebook, individuals and communities. And they rallied together in an effort to try to locate the lost people and rescue them from the physical danger and reunite them back with their loved ones. And that's a good thing to be involved in, to try to help get people rescued from physical danger. But what about search and rescue teams for folks in spiritual danger? That's far more important. Though, though rescuing somebody from something physical is very important. But when you rescue them from something physical and you don't rescue them from something spiritual, then they spend an eternity lost. And so we need to have a passion for those that's lost. That's evangelism. Like, like, like a band of search and rescue teams that would go out into the community sharing the good news. And, and just as the shepherd is not satisfied with 99%, and just as a woman was not satisfied with 90%, so we are not satisfied until every person in our sphere of influence has heard the good news and is presented the opportunity to become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And you can do that every day of your life. You do that when you talk with your neighbors, when you talk with fellow students, when you, when you talk with coworkers, when you talk with your family members. We talk to them about Jesus. Remember to love the lost and resolve to look for the lost. And then finally, rejoice when you locate the lost. When, we, when, when the lost are found, there is rejoicing. Look at what happened when the shepherd finds his sheep in verses 5 down <coughs> through verse 7. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my ship which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Look at what happens when the woman finds her lost coin in verses 9 and 10. And when she had found it, she calleth her friends and, and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And look at what happens when the father finds the lost son in verses 20 down through verse 24. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servant, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. When a lost person is located, whenever a lost person is found, there is joy in heaven. There's a, there's a cosmic celebration 
Look again there, verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And in and, and verse 10 again, likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angel of God over one sinner that repenteth. A church is a, is a vibrant church when people get excited about what God gets excited about. Can I say that again? A church is a vibrant church, a powerful church, a biblical church when the people get excited about what God gets excited about. Some Christians act like they could care less about a soul being saved. Somebody tells, tells a testimony or says something about, about someone they led to the Lord or Mike will share with us about a number of people that are saved. There should be shouting and joy and hallelujah and a lot of times we just sit there and just let it roll right off of us i tell you in heaven when they hear mike say about all these people are saved they're shouting there's joy in heaven so you tell you tell people someone got saved and they just look at you like you know a cow looking at a painted fence or something i don't know like you're speaking in tongues. You share praise about, about sharing the gospel and they just sit there like the old hymn, We Shall Not Be Moved. <laughs> you know. A church is a vibrant church when the people of the church get excited about what God gets excited about. God is excited about evangelism. There is rejoicing in heaven when a person is saved. There is a cosmic celebration. And so when you were saved, all of heaven rejoiced because you got saved, because you trusted Christ as your Savior. There was a celebration in glory. And if you're not saved tonight, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there'll be a party in heaven. There'll be rejoicing in glory. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came for us. He died for us. He arose for us. Many years ago, I heard this song that, that moved me very deeply. It's about a shepherd leaving the 99 sheep and going after that one sheep. I later learned that it was sung by Ira Sankey, the traveling minister of music who accompanied D.L. Moody. And... Dr. Moody had just finished preaching a sermon entitled The Good Shepherd, and after he preached that sermon, D.L. Moody turned to Mr. Sankey and he asked him to play something appropriate. Well, Ira Sankey remembered that he had this poem that he had stuffed in his pocket, and so as he walked up to the organ, he pulled that out and he laid it there in front of him in the organ, and he began to improvise a tune that has remained unchanged to this day. Listen to the words. There were 90 and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold, but one was out in the hills away, far off from the gates of gold, away in the mountain, wild and bare, away from the tender shepherd's care. Lord, thou hast here thy 90 and nine. Are they not enough for thee? But the shepherd made answer, this of mine was has wandered away from me. 
And although the road be rough and steep, I go to the desert to find my sheep. But none of the ransomed ever knew how deep were the waters crossed, nor how dark was the night that the Lord passed through, ere he found his sheep that was lost. Out in the desert he heard its cry, sick and helpless and ready to die. Lord, whence are those blood drops all the way that mark out the mountain's track? They were shed for one who had gone astray, ere the shepherd could bring him back. Lord, whence are the hands so rent and torn they were pierced tonight by many a thorn. And all through the mountain, thunder riven, and up from the rocky steep, there arose a cry to the gates of heaven, Rejoice, I have found my sheep. And the angels echoed around the throne, Rejoice, for the Lord brings back his own. There's rejoicing in heaven because God's passion, his heart is for people who are lost. And that's what we need is that passion. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.